0: Well, hello there. I'm Julie Nemitz, the founder and chief creative officer at Creatives Going Digital. I help and hopefully inspire creative artists and theater organizations across North America and even down under in Australia, learn to go digital and make, market, and monetize content online and on the stage. You're listening to In the Green Room, our podcast is where I share digital marketing strategies and innovative content marketing strategies with you. I also feature current arts news, trends, as well as interviews with some of the country's most talented creative arts makers. So grab some coffee and a cardboard cup and enjoy the podcast. It's so nice to have you here where you belong. Well, hello there. So today's episode continues our series of how creative artists and organizations pivoted during this past year, during our pandemic pause. Our guest today is Jeff Veely, the founder of Veely Productions. A gifted storyteller and inspirational speaker, Jeff also managed to turn on a dime last winter to create a business that supports businesses, arts organizations, and more learn how to take their events virtual. So if you're an innovative creator or organization, you're thinking right now about how to keep the pace and innovation going for your digital content, right? Well, today's episode is sure to give you inspiration and a healthy dose of how-to. Enjoy the episode. I'm so excited to have uh, today's guest join me. Jeff Veli is from Valley Productions and I was so fortunate to meet him during a virtual conference and got to know all that he does. And I have a special place in my heart for him because he is from Michigan. Um, So without further ado, Jeff, um, welcome to the podcast.
1: Thanks so much for having me.
0: And Jeff, um, I would love for you to start off by just telling people about yourself and your background and explain what you do at Valley Productions.
1: For sure. So born and raised in Grand Rapids, Michigan. So we've got that uh, in common, got some heart for the mitten. People say, where do you live? And I'm like, you know, that uh, state that's shaped like winter apparel. That's a warning. Come visit, but do so during the summertime. <laughs> so um, I'm the executive producer of uh, Vealey Productions, uh, grew up um, really sort of backstage and on stage. So my dad was a touring rock guitarist. Uh, Did the typical rock star thing, eventually decided he should settle down and have a family. Uh, But that didn't mean I didn't fall asleep in recording studios on some weekends (laughs) because as artists, we all have that itch we need to scratch. So uh, yeah, I was on stage first time since I was three. And then you name it, music, theater, um, magic and illusions. I was thrown Mm -hmm. into all of it. Uh, So I'm a drummer, singer, um, did acting for a while, not so much anymore. But I make my living these days as a youth motivational speaker. Uh, I specialize in uh, resilience education for bullying prevention. So, lots of speaking in the education market. That's about eighty percent of my work, and then the other twenty percent is uh, working behind the scenes. So, producing live events. Uh, My team and I, we get to plan and deliver three hundred plus live events every year. Oh my god! And uh, it's a joy. It's a joy. So, for a lot of those, I get to be on stage, but I also really love being behind the scenes and seeing other creatives in the spotlight. Uh, and just being able to be able to applaud at the end of the event and see their success and see them and what they love.
0: Jeff, you're you're like so many of my listeners. You are you're a mul- I love to call us multi passionate artists.
1: You have <laughs> yes. so many
0: talents and abilities, and 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 that's what's been so exciting. Um, I think about the past year or so. If we have to find the silver lining in what's happened during the pandemic, is that people that that are able were able to express themselves um, whether it was through an organization like a theater or a um or a, or a an orchestra um, or if they're just an individual performer they were able to figure out how to make digital content work for them um, and i'd love to talk about how you managed through the what i'm calling the pivot phase over the mm-hmm. last year how did that work for you and your company in your content
1: Well, you know, I started like most, I'm going to assume that we were all had some sort of shared experience where at some moment our head was in our hands and we were saying, what if this is the end of everything I know, everything I've built, and what if the vehicle and how I get this to the world no longer exists? Like there was a period I remember sitting on the couch with my wife, both of us almost in tears. I'm in the middle of a national tour where I'm reaching kids and sort of being able to provide hope and and helping them, you know, with their mental health. And it all comes to a screeching halt. And I've been in live events for a while. You know, I've I've reached a million people from the stage. I've seen a lot of things over the last however many years. You know, I've been doing this professionally for 10. And I just knew, like, we're the first industry to close and we're going to be the last to reopen. And the reality is that as creatives, it can be very, very difficult when you feel like you have this gift or this talent or this calling or this purpose, and you don't know how you're going to share it with people. Like you don't know how it's it's going to get out. And so like yeah. many of your listeners, I'm sure I, I sat there and I remember being in tears with my wife on the couch and, and really just crying out. And for us, we're people of faith crying out to God saying like, what do I do? Like, do I need to go just work the regular nine to five? You know, it took me 10 years to build this company. There's people that rely on me and and us being successful for their livelihood. Like, how what is this going to look like? And then the more we started to look at it, I looked through a few lenses, Julie. And (laughs) the first was what I teach. The definition of emotional resilience is to leverage adversity for psychological growth. That was deep. So I'm going to say it again. (laughs) The definition of emotional resilience is to leverage your adversity, your adversaries, for psychological growth. It basically just confirms Kelly Clarkson was right. You know, what doesn't kill you sometimes makes you stronger. And so I saw that and I thought, you know what? There's a way to grow from this. There's a way to grow from this. Creatives, as a creative, as an artist, which is part of what I do as an artist and entertainer and artistic director – We offer inspiration and hope, and we do it in a memorable way people don't forget. As an entrepreneur, I'm a problem solver, and so the reality is we all have these skills that people need right now. People are craving human connection. They're Mm -hmm. craving innovation, and we have a really cool way to deliver that. We just have to change the vehicle. A lot of the content is the same. A lot of the gifts and skills are the same. We're just driving a different, you know, we're all in one accord, but we're driving a different Honda, so to speak, right? (laughs) And the vehicle (laughs) changes. And uh, you know, I was fortunate. I, I own a production company, right? So we had cameras, we had different things, but the difficult thing is two weeks before COVID hit, my wife and I had moved back to Michigan here from Texas. And we ripped what was going to be my office down to the studs. COVID shut everything down. Right. All of a sudden, here I am, I can't invite over a contractor and I have, I have to build a broadcast studio in order to serve my clients and in mm-hmm. order to fulfill my speaking engagements, which most of were trying to cancel at that point. Right. And so for us, we learned how to pivot quickly and uh, I just started sharing that experience. Uh, in with those in the industry. And it was crazy. The phone rang, the email went flying. We had blog articles that went crazy and actually wound up developing a program called the Virtual Event Tech Accelerator, which is everything we've learned and everything our clients have learned through this whole pivot process.
0: Wow. Now, what, what really resonated me, with me when you were talking is um you know, what that turning point was of of going from what's going to happen to what's the opportunity. And a lot of the folks I work with and a lot of our listeners, you know, they're all trying to figure out that migration into making digital content online. Um, Creative artists and organizations are all trying to figure out like what's the next great thing to do? And since you have such a breadth of clients and such an experience yourself as a speaker and as some inspiration to so many, like what is your what are your thoughts there? Like what's exciting you about what you're seeing online?
1: What I love is that uh, one of the biggest things I think is legacy, right? When we film something, when we digitize something, it can live forever. Like I was thinking yesterday, I recorded a video that was really helpful for some of the the kids that I serve in schools and i was thinking since we recorded that we filmed it you know we have all the hd footage you know 4k all of that like my grandkids or great grandkids could actually benefit from that lesson that i was teaching kids here in 2021 like think about that your art living way longer than you right and, and i think we all have mm-hmm. you know old books that we've read or things that have been really old and we're like oh my gosh this is such a treasure and it speaks to me here and now and i think digital content does that it also helps you to scale, right? Whether you're a theater, whether you're um, an artist, and maybe you're sort of painting on Facebook Live. I was just talking to a friend of mine. He's a fine artist, and we were talking about what, what do we do? You know, he's like, I've got a lot of time on my hands to paint. <laughs> he just left a job after 20 years, and he's like, you know, how can I, how can I scale this? How can I bring people into my studio and make them part of this experience? We were strategizing that. So I think the nice thing about digital is we can um, we can share it so much easier. We can bring people into really intimate uh, spaces of like a a studio or, you know, bringing even someone into your kitchen as you're creating something, Mm -hmm. bringing someone into your theater. But it's really difficult because there's sort of different ways to do it. Right. And we've seen this. We've seen people that sort of film with their iPhone camera, which you can totally make that look good. But sometimes the angle is wrong, you know, Mm -hmm. and you're looking up somebody's nose or sometimes it's a a, not a flattering webcam shot or sometimes we're trying to offer this intimate thing theater experience but the camera is way far away because we want to show the whole proscenium stage but now I feel like I'm sitting in the back row instead of right. sitting in the front row right and the cool thing about virtual or digital is everyone can get a front row seat to mm-hmm. the creative experience
0: it is and you know there 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 I, I felt at the beginning a great generation gap you know there were certainly people in in a certain uh set of folks that were artists and or uh or arts our organization leaders that said, Nope, not going to do it. I'm going to die on the hill of, of live (laughs) theater. I'm just going to sit this out and we'll see what happens. And then there was the other side of that, which was, of course, we love live experience. Of course we love the feeling of being in a space with others watching art, but, and (laughs) there is this new way for us to reach new audiences provide accessibility to content, um, fulfill the diversity, equity, and inclusion that we all wanna have in our organizations and make content more accessible to people and of, of, all, of, of all stripes. And that's what excited them. And so those were the people that really moved the ball forward in um, creating that type of content that really made uh, made their theater stand out and kind of survive over the last over the last year. The artists that said, you know what, I don't get this TikTok thing, but I'm going to go ahead and jump on. And, and pretty soon, <laughs> it's a dad that wears a sweater every day and and sings a song, and he's you know got 10 million followers. So right so. It's been such a fascinating year. Um, What I'm curious, because you you have such a breadth of experience both behind the camera and in front of the camera, you know, one of the things that we're all talking about right now is what does visual, or excuse me, what does virtual um, interactive experience look like and what do virtual live events look like? And from the time of you starting your first accelerator program, what have you learned or what advice do you have for our listeners who are now saying, "Okay, what is this interactive digital stuff? What is an interactive virtual event?" Could you give us some education?
1: Yeah, so you're way ahead of the game because you use the word interactive a lot right there, which is really key. Yeah. Uh, what's difficult about a lot of digital events, a lot of virtual events, is sort of a lot, uh, you know, a live stream or a virtual broadcast, something like that. It is a one-way communication it's you communicating to your audience which is great and it's a great place to start right hop on facebook live do that live stream to youtube live to vimeo you know whatever your tool is streamyard those are all great but the problem is once we get past like a 1 hour window or if you're doing that without a lot of production right you may have great art on stage you may have great art on a page right not trying to rhyme here i'm a poet and didn't know it <laughs> or maybe you're painting but but we need to be as serious and as creative in the vehicle, we're communicating our art with as we are about the art itself. Now, some people may argue, you may get some hate comments, but let me just say this. What <laughs> a lot of folks did at the beginning of COVID, and we were all figuring it out, so nothing wrong with this, but now we're a year in, is they sort of put something in the back of the room, put the camera in the back of the room, right? I sort of referenced it earlier. And what feel what it feels like is it feels like you're sort of like wandering by a theater, and then you found like a window. <laughs> there was a show going on and yeah. you said to your friends, oh my gosh, you guys, I could see in the back, I could see the back, but you're on your tippy toes. It's really not comfortable right. and you you can only like, you don't feel like connected, right? It's very one way. So you're sort of like witnessing this thing happening. Like you're a spectator, but you're not a participant. We have this uh, process we use uh, through planning all of our events now, but really it was honed during COVID uh, called engagement by design. And that simply means-
0: that. What is that? Yeah. Eat-
1: engagement by design. We we say uh, it's our whole strategy for how we plan events. Mm-hmm. Everything is built around the engagement experience for the audience and for the host because don't neglect your needs. Right. Or the artist don't neglect. You know, if you're not comfortable with three cameras in your face. Don't do that, please, because (laughs) it will freak you out and you can't do what you're good at, right? So how do we make find something that's comfortable for you but also the best experience for the audience? So engagement by design turns expectant attendees into engaged participants. I didn't say spectators because I don't want spectators at, at our events, right? We don't want people just watching. We don't want audience. We don't want just people just lit, listening or, or witnessing. If you look at the root word of audiences, these are the meetings. We want engaged participants, people that are a part of it. They're experiencing it with us. They feel a part of that experience. And Believe it or not, you can even do that in theater without breaking fourth wall, right? It's mm-hmm. those emotional pieces that connect and bring that person into the story. Now, if you can break fourth wall and, you know, do some different things, I think that can help, but you don't necessarily have to. And so really approaching it from the engagement strategy first really helps us focus on how we can make it powerful. A lot of times we see that as an afterthought. And uh, I I just am finding more and more with the events we do, if it is a camera in the back of the room or if... uh, people don't feel zoomed in if they don't feel like they're a part of it that they're a participant engagement just tanks for those events
0: yeah that's exactly it and it's a, it's a new thought process to go through um in when you're when you're uh crafting and you're building your idea for a live event you know whether it's you know we've all learned quickly that uh that the return on investment for a virtual fundraiser is much better than one that you do in your theater as a gala with catering it costs money for space and talent you know those that fundraisers tended to be very very expensive uh in in producing and a lot of organizations have that had that aha moment where wait a minute we could make more money virtually <laughs> because sure. my my brother's sister loves the theater and she's going to tune in and she lives in in Tallahassee right and so we're finding um much more opportunity to grow our audiences online but at the same time to your point Jeff you know finding the right way to do a virtual event does take um, some, some education, especially in the technology back end, right? Mm -hmm. Like how do we make it easier for people to say, I can do this? Do you have any thoughts there?
1: Yeah. uh, So (laughs) you're, you're right. I read this stat. I don't remember where I saw it, but it's been in the back of my mind with everything I do during this whole crazy last year, less than 8% Less than 8% of event hosts feel confident and comfortable with the tech needed to go live. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about professional speakers, talking about professional actors. I'm talking about folks that are used to getting on stage. Cameras a different beast, right? You have to use different lighting for uh, camera and filming than you would for something live on stage. A lot of times uh, when I see theaters do productions, they'll see their actors' faces are, faces are washed out. You actually can't see the expressions because they're used to lighting for live which can be much brighter uh, and it's just lit differently than how you would on film. Or sometimes the color of the the skin tone changes of the person on camera and they can even look sickly. And so that sort of shapes that experience. But so when we realize only 8% of people are confident and comfortable (laughs) or less than 8% of people are confident and comfortable Mm -hmm. right away, that should be a boost of encouragement if you're feeling overwhelmed by tech. You're not alone, right? Uh, we love to say that with our programs in our virtual event tech accelerator, we help people overcome the overwhelm, right? We demystify the tech so you can stop dreaming and start streaming whatever your message is. And so, one of the biggest mistakes I see people make, Julie, is that they they know enough to sort of know how to put it together, and they start designing the event, the creative thing they're excited to share. And then try to figure out the tech on the back end. Mm-hmm. Your mission, your engagement strategy all have to be in alignment. And those literally, once they're in alignment, will be a large arrow pointing at the exact tools and tech that you need. So uh, we always help people. Can you, identify wait,
0: can you explain that one? That, that, what you just said really resonated with me. Like you have yeah. that alignment. Can you explain that?
1: Yeah, everything's got to be in alignment. So uh, we started uh, conversations with our clients. We're looking at what events were working virtually and which ones weren't. And the ones that weren't had a few things in common. Number one, they didn't start with their engagement strategy. We talked about that already. Number two, they sort of tried to what I'll call sort of Frankenstein their tech. In other words, they pulled different cameras, they pulled microphones, they pulled things that don't necessarily work great together but it's maybe what they had lying around. Uh, maybe they contracted an audiovisual company, but they were used to producing live stuff and not stuff that was virtual or streamed. And so they, they didn't recommend the right tools for virtual. And all of a sudden you're sort of cobbling something together and you think it's gonna work. And then the thing goes live and it's not working. And so we always start with people and reverse engineer the process. So we help ide- people identify their virtual event type. And there's three types of virtual events. And the one that you pick and your engagement strategy, your resources, you know, your budget, all of that then points at which tech stack is going to work best for you. When I say tech stack, I'm talking about, if that's uh, not unfamiliar to some people, I'm talking about your audio visual, right? So cameras, lighting, microphones, um, video, maybe that's playing if you're doing any projection mapping or anything Mm -hmm. like that on stage in theaters or or playing some sort of other media sound effects. So there's the audio visual side, and then there's the, how are we going to stream it? Like, nice. is this hosted on something like Zoom? Is it on YouTube? Are we using a service like a StreamYard and OBS and Ecamm Live? You know, what does that look like? And then are we driving people to a platform that we don't own? So it's just like a YouTube or a Facebook? <laughs> Stuff gets taken off of Facebook all oh, the yeah. time. Oh, yeah, we don't
0: use Facebook anymore.
1: <laughs> no, 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 no. Facebook is a bad idea. <laughs> yeah, I hear people anymore. every day, hey, I want to, I want to start a private Facebook group and then stream my event into the group. Okay, well, the second you play music, even if you wrote it, my friend his regular his stuff gets mm-hmm. taken down all the time. He's a composer. <laughs> he writes that's, all of his own music.
0: That's an anecdote I have not heard yet, but that's yeah. even another reason why Facebook is not the place to be doing events anymore.
1: Yeah, he cannot use Facebook at all with music unless he has a little trick. Sometimes he will go and play all the music for his event as his playlist 2 weeks prior to his event. He will then go and submit all the copyright information, all his paperwork, and then two weeks later, he can play the same music in his event. If he oh plays an extra God. song, he gets shut down.
0: Oh, my gosh. It's insane. Right. <laughs> Which is why we use other alternatives yeah. now. We've, right. we've educated ourselves. That's so true.
1: So oh that's a rabbit God. trail. But a lot of, again, a lot of artists, they have a Facebook following, and so that's naturally where you go because yes. that's where you're comfortable, but your content's not going to be able to live there and be easily accessible. Right,
0: right. So, yeah, so that's, that's really, um, in terms of other virtual event tips, do you have other, other thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, so we want to start out by first identifying your virtual event type, and I'll give you guys uh, just a free resource here uh, that you can use. Uh, if you go to virtualeventgenerator.com, mm-hmm. uh, my team and I built this tech. It's really cool. <laughs> we spent way too long on it, but it's cool, and you could benefit from it. But you basically answer a series of questions, and it will generate which virtual event type uh, is best for you. It saved us a lot of phone calls because this tool answers it for you. And I've built this thing with as many variables as I can think of. So virtualeventgenerator.com. It will suggest the virtual event type and then also some technology that is supported or recommended for that event type. So that's a, a little way to save some some folks some time. So that's, that's amazing. the biggest now, we'll thing.
0: Make, we'll make sure that's in our show notes so that people can <laughs> have access to that link. And Mike, I have awesome. a question real quick. Do you sleep? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How do I, you do everything you do?
1: I do sleep. I do sleep. Uh, yeah, we, you know, there, there's a couple answers to that. Sometimes I work a little bit on Saturdays. I have the gift of ADHD, so I, I, I go love. a little faster than some others, but also get distracted along the way. Um, we, we do a lot of, we have a lot of things in our business um, where we try to work smarter, not harder. Mm-hmm. And then um, just because of the size of my team and just commit commitments for speaking and right. stuff. Unfortunately, we do have to say no to doing a lot of done for you events. Um, but it allows us to ed- educate a lot more people in the process.
0: I love it. Okay. Any other tips for virtual events? You, you, that was a great, yeah. Can't wait to look a, at.
1: a big one for theaters and I've, uh, I, it's been a game changer for me. So I'll tell you this scenario and then you'll understand how valuable the tool is. Hmm. There's, A piece of software I use that has literally been a game changer for my business and for me personally with my life on the road. So when we're touring uh, and I'm speaking, when I speak as a keynote speaker, I'm traveling alone typically. And I, in the days I'm on tour, it's usually two days back to back and I'm doing four to six presentations in four to five different venues each day. So that means in two days, I can be in 10 different venues. Now, I have multimedia, right? So I sing live. I've got my slides for my speaking. I've got pre- and post-show videos and music that plays. I've got funny little cues and sound effects that'll come up throughout the thing. And I used to have to travel with a tech crew, Right. right? Because as many like school assemblies, when I'm doing that on the road, I have 15 minutes to set up in between these engagements, A lot of times because there's meetings throughout the day with the school district because of my content and so the reality was there was no time to train a tech director in an auditorium how to run my show and do my cues stuff was constantly missed so for years it was just a headache and Mm -hmm. i had to cut out a lot of the fun art stuff Mm
0: -hmm. then
1: i found this piece of software i remember sitting back one day i was at disney world my wife and i are sitting back on this bench my second time i had gone and i said there's how do you think they're running their cues Like, they've got all this stuff timed to the second. got to have a computer doing this. Like, they're not paying a guy at every one of these rides to sit back and push a button. So I found out what they're using. It's called Q-Lab, the letter Q-L-A-B. And I got my hands on it, and I found out Disney uses it. So does Cirque du Soleil. So does Broadway. So does all of the off-Broadway shows. The 2018 Olympics, all of the tech Qs were run by Q-Lab. Wow. And so this was a secret. I was like, oh, my gosh, how much is this thing? Like, right? I'm going to have to, like, take out a loan on a kidney or something. <laughs> it's free. The basic version is free to show yeah. videos to one screen and play audio. It's free. Now, mm-hmm. if you want to go to the crazy level of licenses, you can pay by the day or you can pay them like it's like a $1,000 up front. Mm-hmm. And, and you have it. But it's a rent-to-own program. So for like four bucks a day, imagine this, your theater can automate all of your tech cues. And the coolest thing is you can either automate it to work off of timing, which is how some of my shows are. It's rehearsed to the minute to I know when that song's going to play or when it's going to fire. But then I also have a little handy remote control that's in my pocket. And with the push of one button, I cue the next thing. Could be a light cue. Could be a video. Could be a song. Could be a slide. And so you pre-program it. So it allows you to pre-program your tech cues. And what's great about this is I've suggested this to so many people during COVID when we have to socially distance or when it's hard to have as many crew members on deck. Right. There's so much you can do with Lab to pre-program your cues. And then with the press of one button, you can focus on entertaining your audience, doing whatever event you're doing. And the tech sort of runs itself in the background. And since you've set it up beforehand, you're not worried about a technician hitting the wrong button, right? It's all set. And so I even use it when I have live technicians to simplify their workflow, uh, and they always thank me later.
0: (laughs) So give me a scenario about how you would use that in the world of digital content, online um, type events or productions.
1: Yeah, so uh, just I'm talking to you from my home studio right now. It's it's really not that fancy. I've got a couple laptops on my desk here, and I feed in. I have a dedicated QLab computer. Mm-hmm. Now, one thing to know about QLab is it runs on macOS only, so you do need yeah. an Apple computer, desktop, or laptop to use this, but it, I've had many people go out and buy a Mac after they see what this can do for their life, but <laughs> I've got a dedicated uh, QLab computer uh, on my desk here, Julie, and all of my Qs are pre-programmed. So when I do a live speaking engagement, what I'm doing is I'm hitting the space bar on that computer or the remote hidden in my hand, and that's going to cue the video then for my attendees that allows me to transition or that will cue a a countdown timer. You know, 15 minutes before we go live, there's a slide and there's a pre-show roll and a countdown timer, right? Because if you go live 10 minutes early, especially if you're doing anything on social media, People log on early, and they want to know when it's going to start. Mm -hmm. That countdown builds up that anticipation. So for me, I've just got this extra dedicated computer on my desk running QLab. Now, that's because I'm doing other stuff on my main computer. You don't have to have multiple computers for this. But for me, that's running all of those slides, all of those videos, countdown timer. Uh, It has different things that pop up on the screen. So I want to know when I have five minutes left. So I have a little slide that shows up on my laptop only and it says five minutes. Just a little warning to me to go ahead and wind down and make sure that we end on time. So it's set up to do all of that automatically.
0: That is a game changer for any artist wanting to create content online that we're ramping up. That's no longer your iPhone and you hit live. This is allowing you to create that experience with visuals and music and licensed music that you've paid for. Right. That's <laughs> <laughs> fully approved. ASCAP is happy with you. Um, but you have this new way of of ramping up and elevating your product using like this one tool. It that just blows my mind. That's amazing. I cannot wait to learn more myself about it and get myself um get myself in line. But in the meantime, I believe you have a couple of uh workshops coming up. Did you can you tell the audience about that?
1: Yeah, if you're interested in learning about QLab, uh, I've got uh, some some really fun stuff coming up. So there's an intro to QLab class, uh, and uh, that, uh, I think, as the time of this airs, that may have already passed, March 16th. Uh, but the one people are really looking forward to is coming up on March 24th, Wednesday, March 24th. Yeah. And it's a QLab implementation workshop. So what that means is bring your slides bring your videos, bring your, you know, figure out what microphones you want to connect, have a concept for your show, especially if you're a theater or maybe you're like me, you're a solo communicator no. and you're trying to take your home office or a spare bedroom and, and go live and share something. But you need these tech things happening and you don't want to get overwhelmed with buttons. Bring all of your stuff, bring your slides, bring your music, all of that. We're going to program it together. We're going to spend several hours in a Zoom workshop I'm going to teach each section how to program audio cues, how to program video. And then we're just going to build your presentation or build your show live with a like minded community. We're all trying to figure it out and we're going to check it off your checklist.
0: And you know what? If you're not, if you love this concept and you're like, I'm all in, but I don't want to learn any of that stuff, but my partner does, or (laughs) the, the tech director of my theater is itching to learn new skills, this is a perfect opportunity for that collaboration that you want to have again with the folks in your organization. You can have this and bring this elevation of the way you present content online. Because as I've said before, and I've been saying it all year, digital content's not going away. Um, Mm -hmm. The theaters and the arts organizations and the musicians that are smart know that this will become a part of their content strategy. Of course, we will get back into our concert halls and our theaters eventually. We will be back, but this digital element must stay a part of our content strategy. And I'm ex- incredibly excited about QLab. I really think it's, it's gonna be a ticket to producing uh, professional and elevated content for our audiences.
1: Yeah, you know, you're so right. The the digital piece, the virtual piece, it helps us go farther and reach further, right? Uh, we're, we had a client the other day. They didn't think they could do their event because they couldn't afford the, the food and beverage minimum. Mm-hmm. Once COVID hit, we called them and said, look, <laughs> we we're able to slice off thousands of dollars off of your budget. Can you all hop on Zoom like your speakers? We can do your event now. They said yes. A couple attended from Sweden, They stayed up in the middle of the night to attend their event, never would have showed up live, and offered them a huge government contract to work in Sweden with their program. This was a very small startup with a very limited budget, but the key, they engaged their audience, their content was transformational, and they got people raising their hand literally from all over the world. They had a very small group, only about 50 people attended. Everyone was raising their hand saying, how do I bring that to my community? And that's the power of virtual.
0: Oh, Jeff Veely, I am so grateful for the time that I've been able to spend with you. Um, You get me excited all over again about the potential and the future that I see in in virtual theater and digital content online for arts organizations and artists. So thank you so much, so much for being here. Can you make sure that we uh, tell everybody how they can uh, learn more about you?
1: Yeah, for sure. Uh, you can actually, it links to our website, the link I gave out earlier. So virtualeventgenerator.com. You can also go to com. It's V as in Victor, E-L-E-Y productions.com. I'd be happy to connect with you. And thank you so much for inspiring us and giving us new ways to share our art. It's uh, refreshing to have these conversations.
0: Thanks again, Jeff. Be well. You as well. I was right, wasn't I? <laughs> Jeff Feely is such an inspiration in both his story, his journey over the past year through the pandemic, but also the tips and tricks that he gives us to help us think about doing our virtual events more efficiently and more effectively. Be sure to check out virtualeventgenerator.com and you can learn a lot more about how to make the best virtual events possible in your world. And also, while you're there, check out vealyproductions.com. You'll learn a lot more about his upcoming QLab implementation workshop. Hope to see you there. And take care, everyone. Let's remember to keep the arts moving forward. Well, hello there. Did you know that Creatives Going Digital has its own private Facebook group open to anyone who'd like to join? It's called In The Green Room. It's a virtual gathering place for creative artists, arts marketers, theater makers, and theater leaders who want to make, move, and market content online better, more efficiently, and more innovatively. If you're looking for collaboration, education, and inspiration, you're gonna find it there. We do fun activities like skills challenges to keep us all engaged, and guess what? The last Thursday of every month, I go live inside the Facebook group to answer your questions. Anything and everything, nothing is off the table. So if you'd love to join, please check out the show notes and there's a link there for you to sign right on up. I'm excited to see you inside the group.